Our mission is, is stretching and growing and fighting its own borders, and that's what I'm there to do. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Culturally Jewish. I'm Ilana Zakon. And I'm David Sklar. Join us as we explore Jewish art, culture, and identity in Canada. On this week's episode, we sit down with the new general director of the Koffler Center, Matthew Jocelyn. Mama always wanted me to be a doctor, but I became an artist and that really shocked her. Now I'm interviewing people in the biz, pros, and newish, but all of them are artists and they're culturally Jewish. David, have you been to the Koffler before? You know what? I have never been there before. Anytime I go to Toronto, it's usually to visit friends and family. I'm in and out very quickly. Um, but I, I do know that we interviewed uh, Manuel Hertz. He was the architect of the Babanyar Synagogue, which was happening at the Koffler Center. That was very exciting. So I Well, the exhibition to... about the Babanyar Synagogue. The Babanyar Synagogue was not in Toronto. No, that's that what I meant. That would be very cool, though. Yes, yes, it would. Well, I haven't been either, even though I did spend a bit under a year in Toronto. And I'm about to hop on over there uh, tomorrow, but I will probably not have the chance to go to the Koffler. However, someone who's going to be spending a lot of time at the Koffler is Matthew Jocelyn, who we're going to be talking to in a second. I was very impressed when I looked up his background. He used to be the AD of CanStage, which is a really big theater company in Toronto, Canadian Stage. But he also spent a lot of time in Europe. He was named Chevalier des Arts et des Lettres, which is the Knight of the mm-hmm. Order of Arts and Letters by the French Ministry of Culture. Very fancy. Is, yeah, so fancy. And he spent a lot of time in Europe and he trained with all sorts of huge names in multidisciplinary theater. That's his medium. So he really stretches the boundaries of what performance looks like. And he's done dance theater, and which is uh, totally my gem. So I... I remember when he took over can stage it was very controversial because i remember he came in and he wanted to sort of revolutionize or change a bunch of things to the to the theater and i think at first a lot of the subscribers just ran away because they said oh my it's too experimental we don't know what's going on it's not the traditional can stage that we knew and understood but then something happened over the course of a few years i think people got used to his style what he was trying to offer and everyone returned and i think can stage became very very successful after a few shaky years to begin with. Interesting. Also, I realized for those of you who don't live in Toronto and don't know what the Koffler is, it's essentially a broad cultural institution that started in the 70s and it's had a very strong Jewish history to it. So they have all sorts of different art events that go on. Um, As Matthew says, it's not really set up for performance, but there's art galleries and talks and you know, a variety of different things that you should check out if you're ever in the area. Yeah, it's a bit like the 92nd Y down in New York City, which has a big traditional element of this is where a lot of Jewish events and the Jewish population gathered. And then sort of as things have happened in the 21st century, it's kind of been a bit diluted. It's been more traditional Jewish in a sense and not very much Jewish themed focus. And we, we get in, we'll get into that in the discussion with Matthew Jocelyn about what does that mean for the Koffler Center in the future? Is it still a Jewish institution. Let's hear the interview. So Matthew Jocelyn, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You're taking over a historically Jewish arts institution, and this is obviously a Jewish arts podcast. So I do have to ask, are you Jewish? 
I am not. That's what I assumed, but I always do have to ask. So I guess my follow-up question to that is, how will you approach leading the Koffler Center and incorporating Jewish programming, if at all? Um, I mean, historically, it's interesting. The Koffler has been led for over many of its iterations by non-Jewish leaders. I'm not the first by any means. And so I think that I th- I think that the Koffler from very early in its inception has recognized that in order to be sensitive to a Jewish perspective on some cultural questions, one doesn't need to be Jewish, but but simply to be attentive to the to the sensibility or attentive to the perspective of of Jewish artists. The other, I think, in 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 terms of coming to me, the Koffler has also. Um, made a very clear decision to to continue uh, opening into 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 communities and continue opening into art forms and disciplines um, in a way that perhaps has not been their core mission over the past over the past forty years, and so it's it's less a um, a specific cultural appartenance. Mm-hmm. And and more a sensitivity to a wider, broader, more horizontal artistic uh, artistic offering. And we can't talk about the Koffler without talking about BDS. As I'm sure you're aware, the Koffler was targeted by BDS supporters to divest its funding from Jewish institutions. Is that something that? You have been in discussion with the Koffler on how to approach. It's a big conversation in the arts community, which in Toronto, it seems to be largely pro-Palestinian. So how is that something that you're going to manage? I think that's something that we're going to discover over the the, the months and the years to come. Of course, I was aware of, of the fact that there'd been a moment of conflict and there'd been a moment of of, of questioning, but I... I'm also aware, very aware, that there's a an artistic mission with the Koffler, and I'd say even an ecumenical uh, artistic mission that is that is really very far away from what were some of the preoccupations expressed by um, the protests as they were articulated at that time, and so. It's it's more a question of the funding models than it is of the content. And right now, I am I'm preoccupied on making sure that our artistic programming is exactly that that it's an artistic programming that my considerations are artistic considerations, and uh, and and they are considerations which really have to do with making sure that the Koffler's role in the Toronto art scene is one that is vital and exciting and provocative and and fulfilling something that perhaps other arts organizations don't have within their own missions because it, you know obviously we're in a tapestry of or in a mosaic of of all kinds of arts organizations having specific missions which they're trying to carry out and our mission is is stretching and growing and fighting its own borders and that's what i'm there to do <laughs> oh i would love to hear more about that what do you see as the future of the koffler as you're taking its helm um i would like to think that the future of the koffler is oh my god the koffler is doing that what the f koffler's involved in that and whoa what's happened to the koffler so uh <laughs> 
That's that, my idea of what the Groffler is. <laughs> that seems very in line with the type of work that you do. I know you've you've often been called controversial by critics, which I think is a good thing in the arts. But why do you think that is? Is it because you're stretching those boundaries or are people just, you know, used to a certain narrow framework of what art is supposed to look like? You know, I can't I can't speak for other people when they call me controversial. That's their choice of a word. Um I don't think of myself as controversial, but I I love art. <laughs> I love the world of metaphor, and I love people who are thinking about and pushing and and um, dissatisfied with with pleasant cultural expression, and and so I I'm simply there within my own work, I hope, and as a, as a producer, uh, cultural leader, uh, to, to promote people who have, um, who have honed a skill set with particular vibrance. So I, so, so quality is a really big part of quality however subjective a term that is it's a very subjective term but i i'm always looking for artists who have honed their vocabulary and their language in a way that is going to give us a deeply thoughtful experience and a surprisingly emotional experience and if that ends up being controversial, that's controversial. Or if the way I talk about it is controversial, um, then then that may be controversial. But the goal is not that. The goal is just to, I'd rather be alive than dead. You're, you're someone who's traveled extensively. You've lived in many different countries throughout Europe and Asia. You've spent the last, is it 10 years now at Cannes Stage in Toronto? And with this, with this new job, it seems like you're planning on staying in Canada for even a while longer. What do you what are you looking forward to or what do you what would you like the future of Canadian theater to look like compared to maybe where it stands now in 2023 that's a that's a that's a big question and i i don't pretend to have an ambition to say you know, moreover the Coffler arts is not a is not a theater organization i and my work with canadian stage stopped 5 years ago so i've i for the past 5 years i've been much more engaged in in projects that have been on the other side of the Atlantic, um, but I do, I do want to make sure that artists with um, strong voices, strong, successfully expressed voices, whatever their medium, do not feel that they need to censor their voices in order to be able to fit into what you were mentioning earlier, Elana, as, as the sort of categories of, of art. I, I, I think it's important that there are um, artistic leaders or people, institutional people, who give license to artists who don't necessarily fit within those categories and say, it's okay to do that. Like, it's exciting that you're doing that, and we believe in it, and, and we're going to do our damnedest to find an audience to to make that um to make that dialogue real and and to make that dialogue happen so i'm not i'm not saying i'd like to i'd like canadian theater to be in to be this or to be that or i'd like canadian dance to be this or to be that 
and I don't have the pretension to say that I would have the capacity to to make that happen. But I do think it's essential that space is provided for great artists um, to do their work in places which some institutions might find less comfortable. That's a great segue into talking a bit about your background with multidisciplinary work. I also work a lot in multidisciplinary. And I was curious, you grew up in Stratford, which is known for very traditional theater. So what drew you to the multidisciplinary world? I didn't exactly grow up in Stratford, but my, both my parents are from Stratford. You, and you were born there, yes? I was born in Toronto, actually. Oh, I was, well, with, Google I, lied to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the first time that Google has ever lied. You might want to take a note of that. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, uh, I, yeah, so I was I was brought up in Toronto, but with a very strong connection with, with Stratford and from age, you know, five was going to the theatre in Stratford. But I also moved away from Canada very young. I moved away from Canada when I was 19 years old and to to, to live in France and um, then was back for a brief period of time. But that was largely Montreal, which was really not like moving back to Canada at all at the time in the in the late, late 1970s, early 1980s. And then moved back to England and, and spent 30 years for a short while in England and then and then for 27 years in France. And with, you know, lots of working periods in Poland and Japan and and Spain and around. So I I I I think one of the reasons I left Canada was because I got so excited by the things I was discovering in Europe and in Asia and by and by artists whose voyages were relentless and uncompromising in some kind of for them at that time for me at that time was a contemporary expression and that that there was a timidity and a tameness here at that time that and it wasn't all artists like there were actually great things happening and you know video cabaret happened in the early 1980s or even earlier they were doing exceptional work but you know so there were there were artists who were constantly um pushing the boundaries but my own sensitivity just found a home in Europe yeah i remember in my third year of theater school we watched uh, pina bausch's documentary and i had i was writing a paper about her and comparing her work to other dance theater artists and it totally just open my mind up. I know different parts of Canada have a different relationship with more experimental or multidisciplinary theater. I, I lived in Vancouver for five years and there's a huge oh. scene for that over there. Absolutely. So I'm I'm excited to see uh, what I, I know that, like you said, the Koffler is not a theater center, but they do have a variety of different art forms. Will theater be one of the forms you're going to be able to explore a bit at, at the Koffler in a multidisciplinary way, at least? You know, we we don't we don't have a, a space ourselves that is okay. is um a, an appropriate theater space or dance space or or even really um, music venue. But I I would say that performance is going to be very much something that we are doing. But largely, I would hope in collaboration with organizations in Toronto and across the country. I'm. I'm less with this particular project and our means as well and our and our our history, but what we can actually focus on. I'm much more interested in in us at this point in our mobility 
and our capacity to collaborate and partner with other organizations and maybe even inspire other organizations to do work with us as they can inspire us to do work with them. Um, we're, we're a partnering organization more than an, an exclusive producing organization. Mm -hmm. So I have one more nerding out multi-disc question before I toss it back to David. <laughs> so I know that you've trained with Grotowski and Tanaka Min, and out of all the different artists that you've trained under over the span of your career, is there any, or you can name more than one if you want, that really had a profound in effect on your style theatrically? Oh boy. Um, Google didn't lie in that, in that particular detail alone. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> Um, I would say, I would say that there are two artists who had a profound, profound impact. The work in, with, with the Theater Laboratorium and Jerzy Gotowski and his actors was life-changing just in terms of, I was an academic, I was doing a PhD in Oxford, and I ended up dropping out of that in order to become a, you know, explorer of theatrical forms and, and just an experience experiencer of life. But I'd say from, from artistic languages and understanding the relationship between body, performance, text, and absolute rigor, like absolute unquestioning um, discipline in, 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 in structuring things and the need for the need for a deeply disciplined body and mind in order to reach places of excellence. Tanaka Min is one of them. And Patrice Chéreau, uh, the great French theater and opera director, was, was another. And then I had the great, great, great privilege of having a, a very special relationship with Philippe Busmans, who was a Belgian composer that I worked with on a number of occasions. And I've just come back from from a month in Brussels where an opera that I wrote the libretto for was was um, created at the Théâtre Royal de la Monnaie where Philippe Busmans was really in residence for, for 25 years. And, and, and from a humanist, humorous and humanist perspective and, you know, slightly subversive and at the same time loving of human beings, that was a very, very important relationship to me. You know, I'm thinking as you're talking about all the hopefully wonderful things that you're bringing to the Koffler Center in the future, I, I, I am a bit worried because I know that many companies, specifically theater companies, have sort of fretted and, and been worried that they're not, the audiences are not coming back in this post-COVID world, right? Some are cutting jobs and others are even reducing set schedules. I, I'm wondering if you have any advice in terms of programming or accessibility or interest that you think will help lure and bring back North American audiences to arts institutions. Just keep doing it. <laughs> that is, I, 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 I think that I've never been really good at arranging programming in order to lure audiences. I, my, 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 my mission has always been to create programming which me and the people around me that is the the whoever whoever is involved in the co-programming whatever thinking that is believe has an essential place in the artistic dialogue today and 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 reaching out to audiences to share that so um it's interesting you know this is a, a maybe a silly example but the metropolitan opera of new york 
which for 25 years didn't commission a single work, a single new opera, uh, they're now, I, I may be exaggerating slightly, but I, that's the figure that I heard, um, they're now you know, involved in 14 or 15 different new opera projects and they're programming three or four new creations every single season. And that is what is 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 um, attracting audiences. It's because they are creating new musical ventures with new musical language. That's a fantastic lesson for all of us. This is the most, the, the you know, the um, conventional, perhaps staid organization within the within the most conventional staid form, which is opera. And they're saying, no, this is what we need to do in the twenty first century, and it's very exciting. And I I I think that. Um, as as Canadian artists and Canadian art makers and producers and thinkers, it's never by looking backwards that we move forwards. Can you elaborate on that? Just that it's it's not looking for where our safety net is that we are going to embark on adventures that are important for the future. Uh, I I was curious if you are allowed to tell us if there's any projects that you're going to be bringing to the Koffler, a sneak peek. I'm not going to say that quite yet because I, I actually officially start my job in a week. <laughs> oh, well, we don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> so I really don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> no, there are, there, there, there are some, you know, there are some things that are, that are, that are, that are going to begin. There's, but first of all, there's an extraordinary show there now that has been up for the last four months on on Babin Yar in the Ukraine on the on the uh, you know, the devastating massacre there, but also the beautiful and and profoundly human construction of a synagogue as a memorial to those to those massacres, and it's it's an extraordinarily thoughtful and necessary exhibition and I, and so i you know i'm very excited to be following up on something that has such a solid intellectual and artistic and and humanistic um foundation as what's happening there right now yes we did an interview a few weeks ago with the architect of the of that particular exhibit uh, that you're Manuel mentioning Harris. at the Koffler center yes Great. Matthew Jocelyn, I just want to wish you mazel tov on your new position. And we at the CJN and here on Culturally Jewish look forward to seeing all the new things that come out of the Koffler Center. So thank you very much. Lovely to speak with you both. You too. Before we get into what's going to be going on in Jewish arts and culture in Canada this week, I wanted to tell you about a really exciting event I'm very excited about this. That's going to be happening in Toronto on November 26th. It's an exciting new Jewish arts conference. The theme of the event is the future of Jewish art. What kind of future do we want to create together? How can the past and presentation of memory help to inform our present? How do we share our stories to guide our futures? So this is going to be a conference for Toronto's Jewish artists and cultural workers. The program is going to emphasize networking, communal learning, exploration of Jewish identity and practices, and is going to be a foundation for building resilience and leadership for Toronto's Jewish culture community. If you don't live in Toronto, you can definitely pop by. I'm going to be coming in and I will be leading one of the panels on this day. So be sure to come say hi to me if you come. It's going to include conversations with all sorts of different artists um, and showcase Toronto's Jewish arts organization. 
So if you want to check that out, visit culturacollective.com to register. It's an event that's going to be in partnership with Cultura Collective, the Prosterman JCC, the Toronto Holocaust Museum, and UJA Federation of Greater Toronto, and it's supported by Canvas. That sounds really, really cool. I I, I wish Canada was much smaller so that I could come and attend this event too. I'm very envious right now. Well, I, I think they're hoping to make it a regular thing if the event goes well. So maybe next year you can plan in advance and hop in. Maybe you can join or me on a panel. Maybe I'd love to do that. Or, the, you know, they could they could fly out west and come to the Rockies, hang out with me. Good luck. So what else <laughs> is on your radar, David? All right. There's two things I want to talk about. Uh, the first thing is there's a new book by uh, Jewish Edmonton author Jeff Schechter. Uh, it is called The Daedalus Protocol. And I just want to say it's D-A-E-D-A-L-U-S protocol. So a deadly pathogen has been unleashed across the globe, killing livestock and destroying crops as it spreads. A near extinction event from worldwide famine will be certain if it's not stopped in time. And it's about a mysterious man only known as Daedalus, possessing advanced technology, who assembles a crew of soldiers and scientists for a mission to stop this coming plague. And according to the author, there are references to the story of Mana, the exodus of Egypt, and also a climactic uh, final event in the tunnels of the Kotel. There was an extremely successful book signing event up north at the West Edmonton Mall in Indigo. They sold out all the books. They need to restock it. But if this interests you, you can always go online and order a copy. And for more information, it is thedaedalusprotocol.com. Very cool. Yeah. I want to plug a show that is starting up at the Siegel Center in Montreal, but it's actually a co-production with the Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre. So there you go, where I'm actually covering West Coast at the same time. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So beautiful, if you haven't heard of it, is the Carol King musical, and Carol King was Jewish. So I'm actually, I already have tickets to go see it. I'm excited. I'm going with my grandfather. And oh. my brother, and it's going to be a little family outing to the Siegel Center. Always, always a treat to go to the Siegel Center. I love it there. I used to work there. I remember. What else is uh, happening out west, David? Or out east? Yeah, out, out east. We're going to go right now to Toronto because on October 29th, there will be a reading of the play Camp. And Camp was shortlisted for the 2021 Canadian Jewish Playwriting Competition. Uh, the play is about, it juxtaposes two 15-year-old girls' experiences, Lila at a Jewish sleepover camp and Greta in a concentration camp. They describe it as a research-informed play which explores themes of womanhood, trauma, sisterhood, and resilience. And that'll be taking place at the Miles Nadal JCC in the Al Green Theatre there on October 29th at 2 p.m. So if you're in town, check it out. Speaking of playwriting, David, didn't you just get nominated for a playwriting award? Sort of. I, I was shortlisted for shortlisted. the play. Yeah, me and two other plays have been shortlisted for the Playwrights Guild of Canada uh, Best New Play Award, which was very That's exciting. That's a big deal. Yeah, no, I was very, very happy to, to to find out about that. It was exciting. There was like um, a bit of a ceremony online happening. Um, I knew about it for a few weeks, but I wasn't allowed to post or say anything about it. But Classic. now... Yeah, I know. Next month, we're going to find out who the official winner is. So it's between me and two other people. Can you give us a very tight synopsis? I can try. Um, when people always ask me that, I was what's like, your how, pitch? how do I, what's my pitch? My elevator pitch is basically, it is about Sarah, um, a professor at a Canadian university and soon to be mother who is sort of caught between loyalty to her tribe, her Jewish community and allegiance to her profession, freedom of speech. Sounds great. I'm looking forward to hearing where 
this play goes. Hopefully you'll get to put it on sometime soon. I know, you and me both. I, I hope there's there's room for it in 2024. Culturally Jewish is hosted by me, David Sklar, and Ilana Zakon. We're produced and edited by Michael Freeman, and our theme music is by Sarah Siegel Lazar. We're a member of the CJN Podcast Network. To support our work and everything the CJN does, visit the cjn.ca slash donate to make a monthly donation and receive a charitable tax receipt. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time. Thank you.